And then my grandpa and grandma take me into this room and they said, how are you doing? You know, and I just bawled. I said, I know I need to go. I'm just so scared. I'm so scared. And um, my grandpa, who is just the best, he shared this scripture with me. It's Jacob 4, 7. And it says, nevertheless, the Lord God showeth us our weakness that we may know that it is by his grace and his great condescensions unto the children of men that we have power to do these things. I love that so much. Me too. <laughs> so right there, it was like the Lord had showed me my weakness. I was, I That's was, did yeah. you ever know what you were struggling with? I think, I think I told him. Okay. I think I like generally told him like I was diagnosed with an eating disorder and this is why I'm scared, you mm, know, okay. and, but I still feel like I need to go. And so he shared that scripture with me. And oh, that's amazing. It's on point. So on point. The man, thank the heavens for people who know their scriptures. <laughs> um, and so then I left. I left and I get to Singapore where the mission home is. And then I. Uh, Sorry, I may be naive. Singapore is the country. Malaysia is the language. Singapore is a country. Malaysia Malaysia's is also a country. Oh. They're oh. just, they're different countries, <laughs> but they're, they're the same <laughs> mission. So what do you speak? Malay. <laughs> okay. Bray, I, Bray's from America. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one who thought that, okay? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh no, I thought that. Well, like before I got there, I was like, I'm still confused. You know, so um, Singapore was where the mission home was, but then you would fly out to different areas in Malaysia. Okay. So um, I got, I flew into Singapore and then from there to Malaysia. And yeah, it was brutal. I will not lie. It was was the food learning the language everybody's like eat everything on your plate Mm -hmm. it was basically all my worst fears were true (laughs) every single worst fear was true and um i remember packing like little lunches like going to the store and buying like healthy meals like trying to prep meals for myself you know but that doesn't work you know Mm -hmm. like that's not sustainable on a mission anyway because you're like walking i imagine we biked everywhere (laughs) my entire mission i was on a bike so yeah never want to bike again but um (laughs) yeah and so yeah it was really hard the behaviors got pretty bad but they were also kind of better i just i just have a very like surface level question because having served in asia myself Mm mm-hmm and seeing how offended some oh. old Asian ladies can get. Yes. How did you get around <laughs> not eating their food? I, mean, I didn't. I ate it. Okay, I, okay. That, that was one of the issues. Is oh, I see. I was I like, see. I have to eat, and I can't say no. And you were shaming yourself for eating. Yeah. I see. So it's like, I'm oh, being told gosh. to eat, but I'm choosing to eat it because mm-hmm. I don't want to offend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then how did you... Because your your pattern before was eat as little as I can during the day, mm-hmm. binge at night. And yeah. now you just eat everything whenever yeah, the normal, they give you. More normal diet, right? Yeah, more normal for sure. Definitely a more normal schedule mm-hmm. like of eating an amount. But then... So what kind of bad behaviors developed? Definitely binging. So okay. like I wasn't restricting as much, but I was I was still... I would feel so guilty and so scared of eating so much that I would just say, oh, what the crap, it's it's useless. And then mm. I would just binge. So this is where I like gained. Like at members' house? Uh, or I'd like- say, yeah. Okay. Because I feel like you can cover up binging in yeah. public very easily. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just so hungry, you know? <laughs> like, I'm just eating everything. And um, But like to the point where I would bike home and, and also throw up. I was mm. so full. Oh, also like, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know about Asian culture that much, but yeah. I served i was spanish-speaking and oh wow they love like you yes. asked for more that's like a oh yeah that's a compliment they, yeah it's a compliment they love you like yes and so you're like give me all of it exactly oh, gosh. And it's rice-based you got these heavy, yeah heavy oh sitting meals. gosh so much rice and yeah they were like so when i would pound it down they were pleased yeah you know they but inside i'm dying it. and yeah yeah so, so then yeah y- sorry ahead. you said you would just like be so sick because you had to bike home and just throw yeah up. like i wouldn't ever throw up but i think i was i'm really grateful that i was always too scared 
to purge. actually purge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the mornings, like I would try to exercise pretty hard. So I was still kind of in that habit a little bit. Um, but yeah, so the mission, but here, here's, here's where, again, the spiritual comes in because the mission is all, you know, <laughs> if, if you make it about learning about Christ, like, like that's what it will be, you know? And so I really yeah. felt like I, I was studying so hard and I was trying so hard, but I, I, I genuinely feel like this time, my mission was a time where yes, the behaviors were still bad, but the Lord like kind of helped me mentally to, for it to take, if not the front driver's seat, it was like at least the passenger, mm. you know, what was the front seat was I'm, I'm here trying to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that was a blessing in and of itself. Even so, even though it was still bad, it was, I was able to bear mm-hmm. my mission, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, my mission, honestly, if I could boil it down to one lesson, you know, besides all the sub lessons that I learned, I would say it was the atonement of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Um, I specifically remember reading, Mosiah 24, um, where Amulon has like the Lamanites have enslaved the Nephites, you know, Alma Mm -hmm. and the people. And in Mosiah 24, I would read these two scriptures. Um, the Lord said he would deliver them out of bondage. And in verses 14 and 15, he said, and I will also ease the burdens which are placed upon your, which are put upon your shoulders that even you cannot feel them upon your backs, even while you are in bondage. And this will I do that ye may stand as witnesses for me hereafter and that ye may know of a surety that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. Mm. Um, and now it came to pass that the burdens which were laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. Yea, the Lord did strengthen them that they could bear up their burdens with ease and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. So I remember reading that and being like, all right, Lord, when is it going to happen for me? Mm-hmm. Like, when is this going to feel light when am i going to be able to not feel absolutely like so sad because it's still in the passenger seat like yeah. it's still a huge part of my life and i remember just getting so frustrated like why doesn't the atonement work for me mm. like why isn't why isn't this being made light mm. but as I'm, like, sure I'm battling i'm yes. in the war like i'm, I'm following doing, obedient uh-huh where is this lightness that the Nephites talk about? Where is it? The vending vending machine of blessings. Exactly. (laughs) I was like, I put in the money. (laughs) I want this. Um, And I I didn't get it, you know, Mm -hmm. on my mission. But what I did get was a deep understanding of the atonement. Not really how it applied to me yet, Hmm. but what it was you know, mm-hmm. the atonement of Jesus Christ and what he did. And so um, then fast forward to me coming home. And so I had this just fire of a testimony, you know, inside of the atonement. Not sure how it was going to work for me yet. Mm-hmm. But again, that feeling of just, just trust. It's going to work out. That's that's incredible. You know, oh, I love, I love learning about the that's, atonement. That's a great, I mean, that's just a good testimony of the lord's timing yeah i mean your testimony was strengthened even mm-hmm. though your trials didn't seem to be lightened or yeah your burdens weren't eased no. like you like, read in the scriptures no. but your your faith like i was just saying that the, your faith throughout this entire thing i would have been like he don't care he doesn't yeah. see me he could care less about my situation right now mm-hmm. even though i am doing what he said I am on the path. I am on a mission for yeah. crying out loud. Yeah. And I'm still not seeing it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> which you have those thoughts. Me. I mean, you expressed that you had those thoughts, but oh, yeah. your testimony is still there, which I think is so incredible. You're still so trusting. That's amazing. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, it really just came down to just, you got to keep moving forward. Because what's the alternative? Yeah. You mm, lay down and I die. Like I'd, I love that. You know, what's, it's there's either no be other... a victim or move forward, right? Exactly. And so um, I came home and I worked for six months like at home in Arizona and then I went back up to BYU 
thinking, okay, like I, you know, all I had was still these sheets, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'd worked on, on my mission. I'm like that, that's not really helping, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I got back, I'd say it was 2017 is when summer of 2017 is when I went back to school and started getting back into it. And things went so downhill from there, Mm. worse than they'd ever gotten. This is after your mission, right? Post mission. So this is 2017 summer and fall. And I started, the cycle got way more intense than it ever had. Mm. Um, because I just kind of felt like, yeah, like I believe in the atonement, but like, I I don't know what else to do. I feel mm-hmm. like these sheets are my only tool and they're not helping. So, oh, yeah. and so I, I would, yeah, I would not eat during the day. And then I would go to the little BYU grocery store by heritage halls <laughs> and I would buy donuts, ice cream, pizza, everything and Mm -hmm. go home and eat it all by myself and um that's when I started to feel the most depressed and I started not going to class I would just stay in my bed and sleep and look out the window and see people in my ward hanging out in the swimming pool and I would never go swim with them I did once and after that I decided never again because again it was so focused on body image too Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, that's when I started feeling, having suicidal thoughts of, I don't want to live anymore. Like I've fought, like I've tried and I just, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and so I remember calling my mom and telling her this and she said, Audrey, what, what, like, what can we do? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, and then I would say, I don't remember what the time frame was, but this is the next miracle that happened. They just keep coming. <laughs> My mom called me and she said, Audrey, I need, I need to tell you something. She said, I was in church the other day and we were actually visiting a different ward. And this woman stands up and she's giving a talk. And she's... She's giving a talk about, you know, some gospel topic, but all of a sudden she switches and she starts talking about this, how she had an eating disorder, how she went to this treatment center called Center for Change and how it completely saved and changed her life. And she said, Audrey, I was sitting there and, you know, you're in my heart and in my thoughts that day. I'm praying like, what does Audrey need? And the spirit said, you need to go talk to that woman. Mm. like right now and so my mom turned to my dad and she said I need to go talk to her and my dad like kind of knew the situation and he he knew the situation he didn't kind of know he knew I just didn't talk to him about it as much Mm -hmm. as my mom Mm -hmm. you know because we're girls and we can talk forever (laughs) but um yeah (laughs) seriously but so he said yeah absolutely I feel it too like go talk to her so she went up to her and my mom says she just started crying and saying my daughter you know, my daughter is um, really struggling. And the sister was able to tell her, absolutely, you know, Center for Change is absolutely the place where she should go, you know. Um, And so my mom said, okay, you know. And so she called me and she said, Audrey, what do you think about going into treatment, Mm -hmm. you know, basically? And I felt relief. I Mm. was like you know, if I can't, if I can't do this on my own, like I at least can go to a place where they'll, you know, like, I just, I felt like I needed, I just needed, I couldn't take care of myself anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I made the decision. I said, you know what? Yep. I'll withdraw from this semester and I'll go into treatment. And, um, I remember going. Was that in Utah or Arizona? Yeah. Yeah. It's in Utah. It's in Orem actually so that's the beautiful thing is i my my siblings were still there and because my i had a couple siblings in college at that point um and yeah it 
it was it was in Utah mm-hmm. and it was close and so I remember my older brother who is the best brother in the whole world took me and dropped me off at treatment mm-hmm. and it was so scary and so hard and I walk in and I see girls who are thin as twigs in wheelchairs and I was kind of telling you guys this before but I immediately felt like an imposter I was like especially as I kept as I continued through treatment and we would be vulnerable and tell our stories um and these you know I had some girls tell about awful things that happened to them like yeah just like like sexual abuse and um death Mm -hmm. and you know other addictions and you know like horrible family situations and feeling like an imposter like I did not have it half as bad as these guys and but I remember the girls in the center were actually really empathetic and caring towards me and said you know they said kind of like what you said Braylon before when we were talking is you know everybody's feelings and experience is valid and so they were really great and they taught me that um yeah how long was your treatment i only lived there for a month i so i lived in the center for a month Mm -hmm. and then after that i did intensive outpatient outpatient for like another month i think where i would go there and be there all day Hmm. and only come home at night and then after that i started doing outpatient so I like the gradually like weaned Mm. me off of it you know so I was just doing therapy at the center but not living there and how did your behaviors oh my gosh center change it was it was true center for change was the miracle and the answer to every prayer um every worry it was amazing Mm. and so yeah, I'm just with all these other girls and women. You know, you've got high schoolers who are forced to be there. And then you've got moms, mm. like middle-aged women who have children and their families are like, I am, we are putting you in treatment because this is out of control. So I was with all these different ages of women and just hearing all their stories and stuff. And they taught me, they started my therapist was amazing and she started teaching me about Audrey you realize that eating disorder is, is a symptom of a deeper issue mm-hmm. and I was like what like <laughs> food isn't the problem my body isn't the problem she was like yeah let's talk about self-esteem let's talk about do you feel worthy of love let's talk about perfectionism let's talk about you know, and so mm. that opened my eyes to my eating disorder was a coping skill. It, that you developed within your own brain ex- to deal with exactly. all those to things. To deal with the deeper problem. Wow, to never... deal with a deeper issue. Just like any symptom of any mental yeah. disorder. Really, yeah, or any it be addiction. addiction or anxiety or depression is there's always an underlying Absolutely. root and of the problem. Exactly. And that's what they taught me. And so... The nice thing about Center for Change was, yeah, they they controlled the environment of food, but they were also really cool about it. Like, they exposed you to food that you were terrified of. So, like, we would have challenge meals and nice challenge exposure snacks. exposure therapy. Yeah, exposure <laughs> therapy where, you know, I realized I can eat ice cream and not then go eat and then, like, crave an entire bin, you know, of ice cream. Mm-hmm. Amazing. You know, and coming to love food again. And I started practicing body acceptance and body gratitude, you know, like not focusing on how it looked, but like my arms move, like Mm. my body moves and it's amazing. And really like internalizing that and believing it. And so that really kind of helped the behaviors so that we could dive deeper into the issues of self-worth and perfectionism and all that. And so I remember I was kind of on a fast track, I think because I just, I sucked up all the information. And I was just like, yes. You were, you were all in. I was all in. And I remember going to a treatment team and them sitting me down. I'm like, Audrey, why do you think you should be able to advance to the next phase? 
I was just like, check it out. I'm doing the work. You know, like yeah. everything. I believe everything like, you guys are so, telling like, me. You're so diligent. It's yeah. so. I could see your body language just changed <laughs> even in this interview. Like your face and everything yeah. just got so much brighter. How did how did your confidence switch during that time? Oh, it it definitely got so much better. There was still, there was still, I think it changed from I hate everything about myself to, yeah, I really, I still don't like the way I look, but I I'm worthy. Mm. Like I am worthy of love. Mm. I am worthy of compassion and, and every good thing, you know, and so, still yeah. a process, but I yeah. love that. I yeah. love that. So this treatment center, you were very much set up with, they controlled your food. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming like during the day you did classes, therapy, yes. um, like group therapy mm-hmm. and just vulnerability time. Yes. What out of, <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Vulnerability time. time. That's the the official name. Yeah, 100%. What do you think was like the most helpful to you? Like the you needed to be in a treatment center for this reason. Yeah. Good question. Um. Oh, that's so hard. There were so many things. I would say. I needed an environment that could help me tame the the behaviors mm. so that we could go deeper. Like oh, interesting. That that's what that's why I needed to go to treatment. Cuz at that point it wasn't attainable by yourself. Absolutely. Living not. at college by yourself. Absolutely not. Not at your home, Mm-mm. not with a companion on your mission. Like mm-hmm. at that point your environment was very much the way that you were going to get to the root of your problem. Absolutely. It wasn't food. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think a lot of people do when they have eating disorders, really treat the food part of it. Yeah. And like it, the food is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, wow, that's. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the time when you, I don't know, I'm, I'm just feeling like there, there might've been a point where you admitted to yourself or to others that you were powerless to overcome it by yourself? Oh, 100%. It was that phone call with my mom. Mm. It was that phone call with my mom where I said, I can't, I can't, can't do, do this anymore. Step one on the 12-step program. Amen. Oh, my gosh. I loved And we worked the 12-step program. Oh, interesting. It's actually called EDA. It's like Eating Disorders Anonymous. Oh, really? I didn't even yeah. know that was a yeah. thing. That's incredible. Yeah, they made an, an EDA, and we would do that, and we'd work through the 12 steps, and we'd get coins. I still have some coins. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, I <laughs> love it, that. It was great. Um, and yeah, so I'd say that was the whole purpose of treatment. Mm. And it was hard. It was hard to see other girls who were still hanging on so hard to their eating disorder to to this coping you know mechanism yeah i kind of i'm kind of getting the impression that like impression (laughs) um that you kind of the treatment center at that time in your life if you had it earlier if you had it later would not have been effective because like thinking about it just in my mind what this treat- treatment center looks like. Mm-hmm. It's like the there's these women who like, there's these high schoolers who are mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be here. My mom signed me up. I'm just going to get through it so mm-hmm. I can get home and start doing it again. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then, but you are very much in this mindset of like, give me all the information you can. I am ready to get through this because you kind of went through your mission and your whole life and you were just like, I'm just trying to get out of this. I'm just trying to get out of this. And I think maybe if it was, the treatment center was like an idea before not necessarily it would be resolved sooner but it just seems like it was like the opportune time that you were able to take that semester off you were able to get the help that you needed at the time you needed and this was the way you needed it absolutely and that's like what aaron said the lord's timing yeah like think about in high school when the lord told me or like from that scripture Mm -hmm. the trying of your faith work of patience that's incredible and then what? And when I'm 22 years old versus like 18, you know, like four years later, that's when I finally. You get your answers. Get the answers. Yeah. Ugh, that's so cool. You know? Because he, he, he really does. The Lord gives you, helps you through your trauma in the way that he needs it to happen. Yep. Because I, I've heard several, several stories about 
eating disorders, about sexual abuse, about pornography addiction, of all the things of getting out of out of your trauma and your issue. And the Lord is just like, I'm just going to give you this. Yep. You can't handle all this. Yet. Yes. You can't handle all this. If yes. you do, then it's going to like be bad. So let me give you this, and then let me give you this, and then let me teach you. Mm-hmm. And then let me be merciful towards you. Let me help you grow your testimony in other ways. Yes. And then let's let's address it again. You know, it's very meticulous and knows like he has, what is it? Cosmo clocks, because he knows more <laughs> than Cosmo <laughs> clocks. I love that. That's <laughs> not my quote. Cosmo it's clocks. Somebody else. I'm going to start saying That's that. That's Neil Maxwell, clock. so we'll have, to, we'll have to look that up. <laughs> That's close enough. Cosmic clocks. Cosmotic clocks. It's it's so true though. And I guess to circle back to, you know, on my mission when I had the thought of I don't know how the atonement works for me. Oh yet. Mm-hmm. Um to when I was in treatment, I discovered how it worked for Ooh. me. And it was and it was all, I was able to look back on all these spiritual experiences and realize the atonement of Jesus Christ works for you when you make covenants with him. And that's like when he says, take my yoke upon you and I will make your burdens light. So you're, you know, the yoke is, or the covenants that you're, and you're getting in there mm-hmm. with Christ. And so he's pulling the load with you. And the covenant, you know, so the covenants are what bind you to him. And I realized that this whole time I thought that the atonement of Jesus Christ was in the moment when I was feeling the urge to binge or to restrict or to go exercise like crazy, that I would say a prayer and then boop, the urge would be gone. Mm. That's what I thought the atonement Mm. would provide. Mm-hmm. But what I realized that it provided um, was over time, the Lord blessed me with when I would fall, you know, when I would have these urges and then I would fall and I would reach out to him, he gave me the strength to get back up mm-hmm. and try again. Yeah. And every day, every single day. And what do we know about getting back up and trying again is the, cha- the challenge doesn't get easier, but your capacity to face the challenge becomes greater. Mm. And so for me, that's what treatment was. It was, I went in there and yeah, did I still have urges and did I still struggle? But they then, you know, the Lord had prompted me to go to an environment where I would learn skills to where every day it became a little easier. Mm-hmm. So the challenge didn't change. My capacity changed. And if you think about the atonement of Jesus Christ, that's what it is. It's not to take away our trials. It's to change us. Yeah. Oof. So that's what the atonement of Jesus Christ means that's, to me. That's what the enabling power of the atonement of Jesus Christ is. It's that enabling power is the change that comes to you. Exactly. You learn and become powerful enough to overcome the things that you've struggled with your whole life. Yeah. Did. Okay. I have two questions. Sure. When you were in treatment, would you say it, it was a spiritual time? I, I can imagine that, I mean, you were in Orem, so there there must have been other faithful members in there yeah. who very much were struggling with this problem. But also, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just like, I picture just you just getting down and being like, Lord, teach me. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. It's me and you, brother. Let's yeah. like, come yeah. on. And then just phew, phew. Like just coming to you, yes. and you just being like, "All right, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Let's go. Let's like go. I'll do it. I'll work on it. I'll do it." That's really cool. Yeah, it and it was interesting because there were a lot of girls from all over the country because it's okay. like the best treatment center, okay. it, like for eating disorders. Mm. It is the most advanced. Like their techniques are the best. Um, they don't count calories. You know, they don't do stuff <laughs> like that. It's like it's really digging to the root of the problem and. Um, so yeah, there was a girl from New York who was super cool. You know, she's got like this nose ring and like <laughs> tattoos all over the place. And she's just, but the kindest, sweetest mm-hmm. person, you know? And so, um, yeah, it was different because there were a lot of girls in there. They It was definitely a spiritual environment because they talked a lot about have faith in something, a higher power. It doesn't, it could be your cat. Like it could be the universe. Mm-hmm. It could be, 
you know, but like have faith in a higher power. And so I'm really grateful that that's the environment that they fostered. That's, that's powerful. Yeah. So um, from my understanding, eating disorders are very much kind of framed in an addiction. Is that? Yeah. Is that kind yeah. of correct in saying that? Oh, yeah. Okay. I feel like it is. And and you're obviously like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Okay. From the, <laughs> coming from your eating disorder, how have you kind of lived your life? How have you come up, kind of overcome it? You still have this thing with you that you're battling every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does it look like now? Oh, since gosh. after your treatment center. Yeah. It looks so much better. <laughs> like, um, I would say I don't look at food like if we look at eating disorder behaviors, mm-hmm. let's start with that. Like I don't look at food as good or bad. I I look of it look at food more as like sometimes I'm gonna crave a donut mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm gonna crave a salad. Mm-hmm. My body craves both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's great. Yeah, yeah. And like I eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full. And I also can recognize when an emotion is causing an urge to to soothe myself Mm -hmm. with food so now I can really like I'll have like a desire to eat and I'll be like okay am I hungry I'm not hungry so why do I want to eat right now Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. why am I feeling drawn to this bag of peach rings you know like (laughs) and three bags specifically you know that's obvious that's another (laughs) another one um and so but so now there's a process instead of oh my god Audrey, you're the worst. You can't control yourself. Of course you can't have that. That's mm-hmm. going to, you know, make you gain weight and you have no self-control, mm. you know, instead of belittling it, it's what's going on, Audrey, you know, to like my little inner child, Audrey. <laughs> um, and so as far as behaviors go, that's how that looks. And do I still sometimes get so stressed that I binge? Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, I'm not restricting anymore. And, and so, and the binges are a lot smaller, Mm. like instead of eating, you know, like, uh, like literally like three pizzas worth, (laughs) you know, like I used to now it's like a, it's like I eat like a few servings of cookies Mm. or something, you know? Um, and my relationship with exercise, instead of using it as a way to change my body, it's a way to strengthen my body. Mm. I love it now. Like, cause back in high school was be a cross country runner, be a runner. Cause runners are skinny. And now it's, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to get the thickest muscles I can. <laughs> like I want to be, I want to be able to arm wrestle these boys that I work with and destroy them. Oh, she know? does. She <laughs> does. I've seen it. <laughs> so, and now I find so much love for my body and like, that. look how strong it is. Like mm-hmm. it's probably, I don't weigh myself anymore. Yeah. Ever. I remember the, the very symbolic day where I took my scale and I went out to my apartment dumpster and I chucked it in the trash <laughs> as hard as I could. That was so liberating. And so I don't know what I weigh. I'm probably heavier than I was, but I'm like, it's cause I got a ton of muscle. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, that's, um, yeah, that's what, sorry. I was just going to say that, that reminds me that I'm going to bring it back to the enabling power of the mm-hmm. atonement of Christ, because we always talk about the change that occurs and it's, it's a spiritual change. It's yes. an emotional change, but it's also a physiological change because everything that mm. you just explained to us is, I mean, from an addiction standpoint or from, from an eating disorder standpoint, I'm sure it's the same from what I'm hearing, is your brain used to be processed through your emotional centers, your amygdala, your limbic mm-hmm. system, and you're, <laughs> you're rewiring it. You're, you're actually rewiring it. Your brain is changing to be able to make decisions through your your frontal lobe, mm, through your value exactly. system, instead of from an emotional state, oh, yeah. and that is that is part of the atonement of, of Christ is yes. is that physi- physiological change along with the spiritual and emotional. I aspect. hadn't thought about it in that way. I love that 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 physiological change is also because of the enabling mm-hmm. power. That is amazing. I love that. It just makes anatomy make way more sense to me than yeah doesn't yeah. it isn't yeah. that cool like your body reaches it can like reach this amazing amazing potential yeah. like like your brain like mm-hmm. your your soul 
Yeah, that's so cool. cool. I, have a, I have a question for you. I yeah. love that moment. You live in Utah. Yeah. Yes. You live in Orem. Yeah. And there are, when I moved to Utah, I was like, I am the nastiest, ugliest looking thing in the world. Because Bray, people, what the crap? people are so beautiful here. People are just out of this world beautiful. Their bodies are all like freaking banging. And yeah. it's like, holy shmanamer. Yeah. How does... <laughs> <laughs> sorry go on I'm just kidding. like how does one who has overcome their eating disorder who's in an environment and, and we're college aged right we're all about like i see so much on tiktok it's like they're all talking about their booties being fat and looking good and all these things and there's just all these messages are being yes. shot at you it's still a hyper sexualized culture super yeah. huge like super. it's all about what your body looks like yeah and so how does one who had an eating disorder had all these self-image issues overcome it with food live in an environment and, and i don't I'm not saying it's just utah i'm like this is yeah. very much the college I went to school at NAU, and so very much the college outlook of your beautiful woman sorority. Like you gotta be yes. cute, you gotta be thin, you gotta be perfect. Yep. Go to the gym and wear those little cute spanks, and you know what I mean. Yep. How does how how do you deal with that? Oh man, it is. <sighs> that is a great question. Um, I'm like trying to think of what I do. Honestly, oh, this is what I was gonna say. It is a battle every day. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times, because I, I have Instagram and I follow some great mm-hmm. fitness people on there yeah. who are like, it's all about the muscle gain. You yeah. know, it's not about what you look like. But um, then I see it like in the fr- suggested, it's this like, and it's this perfectly shaped girl, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And it's like, here's how to get a booty like mine. Mm-hmm. It's that clickbait that I used to love. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, urge is still there you know the curiosity the desire is still there so yeah do I click on it yeah like I fall into that trap a lot Mm -hmm. and then I start noticing myself things get harder I start to not like my body as much I start to notice those old thoughts and patterns pop Mm. back up so you recognize them but now I recognize them and I go what the heck and I go and I unfollow anybody that I ever (laughs) followed and so it's like a constant cleansing process Mm. it's a constant cleansing process for me and it's it's going I love to go to the gym now and um just do what I like and you know do what makes me feel good and um it's incredible because the gym is a place of comparison oh my gosh and yes i fall i start to fall into Mm -hmm. comparison well i i'm like i'm benching like this much like why don't my muscles look like hers you know and like why is she skinnier than you know stuff like that but again i recognize it and i'm able to be like okay I love the saying, I've seen this a lot, no matter how much you exercise like somebody, you'll never look like them because you are literally biologically different, Yeah, mm. you know? And so I, that's like my mantra. Amen I'm just like, that. my body is mine and uh, it's going to look the way it looks. Yeah. So I'd say that it's a constant cleansing, yeah. constant reevaluation. Mm. Yeah. Coming from a biology standpoint, cause I love that because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very much the same way. Mm-hmm. Like. I am not built like a lot of girls and my, I'm built like my daddy. (laughs) You you see my daddy, you see me. Like I'm very much built like my daddy, but my brothers are very much built like my mom. And my mom's Mm. this beautiful stick figure, huge butt, like perfect body. (laughs) My mom is literally perfect. And the motion pages made, she said huge butt. (laughs) And so like coming from that, I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I like learned in biology, like, literally doesn't matter if you're twins your chromosomes match up way differently they are going to you got your moms you got your dads they got both got 32 yep yeah 32 32 32 64 i'm not sure whatever they have a set of chromosomes they have (laughs) mom got one dad's got one come together make you you got completely different sets yeah. completely different sense than my brother who's freaking ripped as crap my yeah. other brother who's blonde and blue-eyed and it's like completely different we came from the same mom and dad completely wow. different and and i think that is just a testament of you will not look the same as anybody on this earth nope. even if you are a twin you will not look the same 
and you shouldn't even want to. I think that's even a bigger thing. That is the biggest lie. I feel like that's like, you should want to look this way. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest lie. And then so many, I feel like there are all these little like then articles that come out like so-and-so is so sad that they got a nose job because they really think they could have grown into their beautiful, you know, ethnic nose. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to have regrets later. Like, <laughs> I'm going to love my nose the way it is. Yeah, exactly. You know? I agree. I agree. Holy smokes. I yeah. love that. Um, well, shall we end with our last question? I, I want to ask real quick, just just changing gears, if we can just go a few Let's more minutes. Let's change them. Let's, no, okay. I'm down, Eric. Okay. <laughs> I, I want to ask because you have been working at Telos' treatment center for... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get there. That's for <laughs> how, long, how long has it been since you started? Uh, a year and a half. A, a little half. over a year and a half now. When did you start, when was the point when you got out of treatment yourself to when you started working in a treatment center? Let's see, I started working at, in treatment, because I worked at a place before. I would say, let's see, I started working December of 2020 at Telos, and I'd say six months before that, I was working at Heritage, so like, so 2019. Mm. So I was out. I had been out for about two years hmm. of of treatment myself. Cool. Yeah. What was what was the driving motivation behind applying to work at a treatment center? Yeah, because I feel like that's tough. It's heavy work. Yeah. Well, and especially because it it's for such the boys don't see it this way. They don't see it as being similar you know, coming down to similar issues of self-esteem, you know, mm-hmm. trauma, whatever. Um, they don't see it that way, but I do very much of like, here are boys who have been through horrible things and who have really bad self-worth views, you know, views of themselves mm-hmm. and are struggling. Like they're just hurting. And so I think for me, I was like, I just want to go be a friend mm-hmm. and like tell them if I could do it, so could you. And, um, you know, it's funny cause their typical stay is like six months to a year and mm-hmm. where I only lived in my treatment center for a month. And yeah, so yeah. they'll say, yeah, but how long were you in treatment? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, it was only a month, but still it was Consider transformative. Consider yourself one up. Yeah, transformative. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But, so, Changed my life. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's what I, f- that's a big factor is that especially, and to be perfectly honest, I also was at a point in my life where now I was feeling confidence. Mm. And one one thing I'd always been scared of was teenage boys, even in high school, mm. boys who were my same age, who were teenagers, because um, I feel like they could be so mean. And I think it was also a way to grow my, my self-confidence. Like, I don't need their validation. Yeah. You know, like I can what they go- say about me to me means nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was actually, now that I think about it, that's a big part of it. But also, and that is going to allow me to help them. Because mm. if I don't make it about me, mm. what they think about me, and I have confidence in myself, I can, I can model that for them. Wow. And so... Yeah, I'd actually never thought of that. Like, we cool. put her through the ring today. Yeah. She must feel so bad. And then in reality, you're like... I feel great. And come back at it, boy. Like, let's see Exactly. I'm going to bring up this Ed Milet quote again, (laughs) probably every episode from here on out. But (laughs) the hardest points in our life and the the things that we struggle with most are really the things that qualify us to help others in the future. Absolutely. And I see that so clearly in you and and pretty much with everyone we've talked to Mm -hmm. so far on this podcast. It's so cool. These experiences prepare you. And, and qualify you better than any school or education ever could to help people. You're, the things that you're going through right now are so you can help yourself in the future, the person that you were. Yes. Yeah, that gave me chills. So I, when I worked um, <laughs> with Audrey at this center, I, I was only there for, for six months. Um, Still to this day is my favorite job I've ever had. You I absolutely love it. So there. strong, <laughs> you really are. I, I absolutely love love those boys, and yeah. those six months changed me. I changed more in that six months than I have in any six months of my my whole life or ever. So I wanted to ask you, how has working in in treatment changed you? Changed your perspectives? Changed you as a person? 
Yeah. How how have you changed? Because you were in it. You were yeah. like the other side of it, and then yeah. now you work it. Yeah. And she's and Audrey's an incredible <sighs> treatment worker. <laughs> Thank incredible. You. But how has it how has it changed you? Um, I'd say it has humbled me further because it's you know, I had gained confidence in myself to a point, but I realized I had a long ways to go. I had more skills to learn. Mm. I had, you know, to effectively help these boys, you know, to learn how to talk to them, to learn how to not like make them feel like I was just like telling them, oh yeah, I understand, but I really didn't, you know, cause their trials were their own. And so, yeah, I just realized, yeah, I had reached a certain level of confidence, but working at Telos has made me so much more confident in who I am and my ability to be Christ-like, to be patient, empathetic, mm. and I'm growing every day. Um, and then, what was the question again? How has it? How has it changed? How you? has it changed me? Um, yeah, I would just say it's yeah, all those things, and then it's just increased my testimony so much that the Lord's hand is in in every aspect of these boys' lives. Mm. You know, even though they're not members of the church, the principles we're teaching them are true. You know, principles of self-worth, of knowing that you're loved, of believing you're, you're worthy mm-hmm. of love, and um, being able to have resilience and overcome trials. And, you know, I do talk to my boys a lot now just – like about a higher power, you know, what do you believe in? Mm. You know, do you believe in a higher power? Cause we have a lot of boys who are Jewish, mm-hmm. you know? And so a lot of them will come in and they believe in, you know, God and, and we don't have the same beliefs, but wow. Like it has just strengthened my testimony so much of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And just that Christ is working in everybody's mm. lives as hard as he possibly can to be prevalent in their lives. Yes. He knows where every single person is and what they're going through exactly yep i love that you call them my boys aaron used to do that and i'm like i still do they're still my boys (laughs) my boys the best is when they say audrey you're like my telos mom and that's when i lose it i i still have audrey actually took a picture of the day i left oh yeah and i framed it and i have a note (gasps) from one of one of my boys back then one time we were sitting i'm sorry i'm just gonna i'm just no, I, need no, to this, I need to tell this story this, real quick. this is it. this is treatment work yeah i was sitting there i was really frustrated with this with this boy and audrey i'll tell you who it was afterwards you know exactly why okay <laughs> but I, he wasn't going to bed and i was mm. like come on i really just want to go home and sleep right now because yes. i'm exhausted and i was wearing a hat and he asked me if, if he could see my hat and I was like, sure, I'll give you my hat. And so he looked at it for a second and then put it on his head or something. And then he just gave it right back. It was like a 10 second exchange. And then he went to his room. It's like, cool. Anyways, I go home that night and I'm, I get into my room and I'm changing. I take my hat off. There's a little note in the hat No, you. Oh and it says, gosh. you're awesome. That's all it said. It's on this little piece of ripped paper and it says, you're awesome. And he spelled you're wrong. It was only Y-O-U-R. Instead of the apostrophe R E, oh he said, "You're awesome," and I don't know. Oh I, I can't gosh. even. I can't even. It'll, it'll be on my desk for the rest of my life. I'm Absolutely. never, never, ever getting rid of that little piece of paper. Because in your struggle, in your frustration, he's like, <sighs> yeah. "Wow!" Yeah, shows your appreciation. I feel like that's how the Lord is sometimes. Oh yes, that is that is so beautiful and. And I'll just tell you guys that picture I took, you know, on his last day, did they do like a group where they run, went around and said things like about you? I can't remember if they did that. No, but I really think they were just appreciating me because I brought him donuts, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I can't even tell you the picture that I took. Cause I knew I was like, I have to take a picture of this. Um, all these boys just swarmed around Aaron and were just giving him the biggest hug. Mm. There was not a face that did not have a huge smile on it. And there was not, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional again, but like there was not a boy who did not feel loved Mm. by Aaron. And, um, that's what, like, that's, that's it. If you can achieve that, like you're, you're doing the Lord's work, you know? And, so and that, that just defines that is, who Aaron Stinger is. Yes. Amen to that. No, I no. I can't tell you what a blessing it was 
to work with you. Right so. back at you, Audrey. Thanks. That's crazy. Gosh dang, now I'm emotional. <laughs> that's one of my favorite memories ever. Oh, that is ever. so, I had no idea. I'm so glad you told me. That is so beautiful. Dang. Treatment work. Mm-hmm. You know, it could bring so many tears and happiness. <laughs> so much anger. <laughs> exasperation. <laughs> and joy. Yeah. Well, wrapping up the episode. Do you have anything else, Aaron? Go for it. Um, we always like to end our episodes like this because, like Aaron always says, your experiences qualify you to help other people. And so what would you say would be one thing that you would like to bring into the light from your story? One thing that, like, if somebody told you when you were going through it, you feel like this would help me, you know, that you could possibly say that to somebody and help them. Mm. I think if I could sum it up, it would be if you put in the work to do the things that the Lord has asked you to do, if, you, if you're putting in the work to get to know him mm-hmm. through scripture study, prayer, you know, just, just an attempt, just an effort, then your faith in him will grow and your testimony of him will grow so that eventually when the trials come, because it's not if, it's when. But when they come, that you'll be able to put it in his hands and actually trust that it might not be okay for a while. It might not even be okay in this life, but eventually Mm. things will work out. And you will see, as you're looking for them, you will see miracles in your life. And you will be able to see how the atonement of Jesus Christ does work for you. And it is real and it is enabling and incredible. And it doesn't take away your trials, but it gives, it strengthens you Mm. and helps you become the person that he always wanted you to be. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Eventually. 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 That's that's beautiful. Eventually in trust. Yes. Two things I'm really bad at. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so so much, Audrey. Yeah. For real. I was... can't I can't thank you enough <laughs> for sharing your story. It's just it's it's such a common one. It's not a common story, but a common issue that yes. women our age well, face. And the principles yeah. that you shared are so applicable to a multitude Anything. of different Yeah. So seriously, thank you so much for coming on and being vulnerable. Yeah. We we appreciate it yeah. so much. Thank, thank you for having me. I'm it's honestly a little bit speechless. I, <laughs> I, I know. Too. I'm like, okay, I don't know if I I don't know if I'm gonna uh, if I wanna leave because I don't want to come off this spiritual side. <laughs> so yeah. Well please thank thank you all so much for listening and we'd love to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. and if this helped you in any way. And we we always like to leave this little challenge that if you, if anyone came to mind throughout this episode, even just one person, just just share this episode to one person with a little note that says, "Hey, I'm just thinking about you." Mm-hmm. Um, if any of these principles could help out in any way, yeah, we love you all so much. We love you. Thanks I for love you guys listening. Too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next, next time. Week. <laughs>